Good morning, church. Let's celebrate. Stand and sing. He is worthy of our praise.
guys can have a seat. Let's check out what's going on this week's announcements. Good morning, Southview. We are so thankful that you're here worshiping with us today. Here are your big three announcements for the week. Transitional periods in life can be tough, especially for our younger adults. If you've recently graduated from high school or between the ages of 18 and 24, we have a fantastic journey group for you to get plugged into. Our young adults group meets on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. in room 100. Led by our worship pastor, Scott Chatham, and his wife, Heather, it's a wonderful group of young men and women who love Jesus and are committed to growing in their faith together. If you have additional questions, please contact the church office at 910-424-1298. Next up, we want you to be a part of this year's Halloween outreach. Church, this is a fantastic opportunity for you to be the light of Christ shining in your neighborhood. All you need is the heart to serve your community. We provide everything else. For more information, join us on Sunday, October the 8th in the Family Life Center directly after the 11 a.m. service. And finally, our next baptism happening on Sunday, October the 22nd will be an especially exciting one. We will have an outdoor baptism at the home of Chris and Rebecca Calhoun on Lake Up Church. To sign up, text the word baptism to 910-424-1298. All participants are required to meet with a pastor in the weeks leading up to the baptism date, so be sure to sign up today. We encourage everyone to download the Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. This will allow you to see all other announcements, sign up for events, find a journey group, view previous sermons, or access the notes for today's sermon. There are also multiple ways for you to give here at Southview. You can either give online through the app or in the giving boxes at the doors as you exit the sanctuary. If you're a guest visiting with us today, we are so glad you're here and we would love to connect with you. Just text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. This allows us to begin to know who you are, to pray for you, and to see if there's any way that we can minister to you. Thank you all again for worshiping with us today. Let's stand and continue to worship Jesus Christ through song. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. The great thing is that because the battle belongs to God, then we can lay our, lay our agendas down, right, church? That he wants to fight for you. Zephaniah chapter 3 says he sings over you with gladness. He is not an aloof God far off. He is involved. He is directing. He cares for you. And so we sing these things because they're true and because we seek to glorify the Lord in these truths. And that's why we sing out. So join me as we raise our voices and give praises to our God. Let's sing.
God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure His indignation. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Let's worship a holy God. The goodness of your love, I leave. 
out to the living Christ. Yes, he is worthy. Amen. You guys may be seated. got a Bible, let's find 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 together, all right? 1 Thessalonians 4. As you are finding that, a uh, couple of real quick um, uh, housekeeping things. Uh, one, just want to highlight a few announcements that you saw up on the video a few moments ago. Uh, we're having, so one of the things that we started to do um, for Halloween is, uh, so we used to have a, an on-site event here, um, which went really well. We would have a lot of people come, and maybe you, you attended that. Um, maybe you've been a part of churches that did that sort of thing, right? So, you know, whatever you call it, right? You, you couldn't call it Halloween, right? Because that's not right. So, so, right. so you call it Fall Festival or Trunk or Treat or hallelujah Wayne or something like that, right? And, and you try to get everybody to kind of come here uh, or, or to your place, right, church parking lot or whatever, to do that. And, and I think the idea behind it is, is good. I think the idea of just, like, hey, being a place to love on our community and, and be a light to our neighbors and provide an opportunity, and um, I think that's great. Here is going, and again, everybody just has different philosophies and different ideas and stuff, and you're just stuck with me as your pastor. I got the mic, so you know what? There we go. So, um, so here's my thinking about it, and here's why we have, and this actually was a transition that was made before I came, but uh, it's, it, I thought it was brilliant. This is why we're going all in with it. Instead of doing an on-site thing here, what we do instead is we say, okay, we want you to stay home. We want you to turn on your front porch lights. We want you to legitimately be the best house in your neighborhood. Right? We want you to give out good candy. Not that trash you get from the Dollar Tree. All right? Not those caramel bricks that take out a tooth. Right? Not that junk. All right? We want good candy. Not only that, we give you hot dogs and all of the supplies and say, hey, if you want to just grill a bunch of hot dogs out and just as people come in by, just right there in the front of your street, right? Hey, here's some candy. You want a hot dog? I mean, you're just eating junk moms. Every mom we ever, it was like, oh my gosh, yes. Dinner too? Right. All of that. We give you, if you want to do s'mores, you want to do a fire pit, like we, we want to provide for you every resource you need to legitimately be the best house in your neighborhood. Why? Why do we do that? Because it is the vision of Southview Baptist Church that every single neighborhood in Cumberland County will be touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ through faithful disciples of Jesus, Jesus living in that neighborhood. We want you and your neighborhood loving Jesus and loving your neighbors. And we just sat back and thought, what better day to do that than Halloween? I mean, just think about it. This is the one day a year all of your neighbors are going to come to your house, knock on your door, and ask you to give them things. It is spiritual malpractice for us not to leverage that for the kingdom of God. Like, that's just, a, that's just one of those, like, every so often, like, Easter Sunday. You know, that's kind of a gimme, right? You're, it's going to be a big day. Preach about Jesus. Like, it's, like if, you, if you swing and miss that, you got problems. Halloween's another good one. Like, this is just a day 
where for whatever reason, our entire country has decided we're just going to walk through the streets and knock on doors asking people to talk to us. We should use that. We should use that. That's one of the tools for us to see every neighborhood in Cumberland County touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ through faithful disciples of Jesus living in that neighborhood. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of that. On October 8th, after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have an interest meeting in, in our FLC, all right, down the hall. Just go down either door and go that way, you'll find it, okay? An interest meeting won't take long, but just a chance for us to explain what it is, um, get you signed up if you're interested, and we want to provide for you everything. We want to give you everything so that all you have to worry about is being a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ right there where you live, right? So that's October 8th, directly after the 11 o'clock service. Go hang out. If for whatever reason you're not going to be able to be a part of that, call the church office or just grab me directly after service and say, we're interested, we want to do that, not going to be able to go to the meeting. What do we do? Call the church office, reach out to me, whatever, all right? We'll get you set up for that. But that's October 8th, after the 11 o'clock. Don't forget that. Second... On October 22nd, we're heading out to Lake Up Church. We're going to do a really fun church hangout. Um, right after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to go out there. We're going to eat together and hang out, have an awesome time. October 22nd, we want you to come and be a part of that. Please text the word LAKE to 910-424-1298. Text the word LAKE to sign up and let us know how many in your family are coming so we can be prepared and have enough food and fun for you. Be sure to do that. Second, we're also going to do a baptism out at the lake October 22nd. If you want to get baptized that day, you saw on the video, text the word BAPTISM to our number, 910-424-1298. We've already had questions, people asking, well, what happens if the lake is cold? How are you going to do baptism? And for that, the answer is really simple. That's why I have a youth pastor. <laughs> right? That's in the contract. Other duties as assigned by pastor. Right? That water is chilly. Ryan, you're in. So that's going to be October 22nd, okay? So don't forget that. Come be a part of that. Text late. Let us know who all is coming in. Text baptism if you want to be a part of baptism. Don't forget that. And then one more quick thing. This coming Sunday... October 1st at 4 p.m., we're going to have a business meeting at 4 o'clock uh, to vote on Emily Sellers becoming our children's director. So you get a chance to come at 4 o'clock, hear all about the details, hear about the position, what that's going to look like, and then we'll work through that together as a church body. So that's 4 o'clock this coming Sunday. All right? And I think that's my last announcement. I think that's it. So 1 Thessalonians chapter... Uh, so we are in a series that we're calling Design, uh, God's Plan for Sex. And the idea behind the series is we want to lay out the biblical teaching of sex and sexuality, what that means, what God is doing in all of that. So a couple of weeks ago, we began the series looking at Genesis chapter 2 and saw how um, uh, God has joined uh, husband and wife together in covenant marriage, and how through that covenant oneness, God has made you spiritually one. And because now he's made you spiritually one, you now grow in relational oneness. And as you grow in relational oneness, you experience greater physical oneness. So sex is an outflow 
of the supernatural spiritual oneness that God has created between a husband and a wife in covenant marriage. We saw last week one of the ways that that is commonly distorted in our society is sex outside of marriage. We walked through that together. You can grab the podcast online if you didn't get a chance to see that. And then today we're going to be um, talking about the issue of pornography. And throughout all of these messages, there's one big truth that we're wanting to explain. If you get one thing from all of this, it's this. Sex is not just a physical act of the body. Sex is a spiritual act that uses the body. Sex is not like eating or drinking or breathing. It's just this physical thing. It's a spiritual act with spiritual blessings if done appropriately and spiritual consequences if done inappropriately, right? And so today we're going to be tackling uh, the very difficult and sensitive subject of pornography. If you are a first-time guest with us and you just drove by this morning and said, that looks like a great church, let's swing in. And now I'm saying this, you're thinking, oh, great, awesome. But I think it's going to be a good day, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, so real quick, let me just say this. I understand that this subject can be sensitive and can be difficult. Um, and we're going to chat through all this here in just a second. Um, listen, can we just, again, if you're a guest, if you're new here, let's just go ahead and put all the cards on the table. I'm nothing if I'm not honest. Let's just kind of chat about it just for a second, okay? Um, this is an issue inside this room right now this very second. Pornography is an issue that is being wrestled with deeply by men and women sitting in this room right now this very second. You're thinking, who told you? God. Okay, all right. Um, It's just, unless for some reason the 11 o'clock service at Southview Baptist Church is a complete and total social anomaly, unless you, the freaks of nature, just so happen to be in the same room at the same time, unless this group for some reason, flies against every data and metric we have. And I'm betting that's not true. It's an issue in this room right now this second. And, and I just want to encourage you as we jump into it. Number one is this. It is not my intention to judge or condemn. It is not my intention to increase your shame It's not my intention to make you want to run and hide and never come back. That is not my intention. I'm going to be honest with you. Again, if you're new here, let me just kind of give you a heads up. We shoot straight. So we're going to we're going to shoot straight, right? We're not going to we're not going to sugarcoat. We're going to we're going to go hard at it. But I want you to hear me. Our heart here, my heart, is to love you. To highlight for you how Jesus Christ desires to set you free. Today is not about you being ashamed. Today is about, by God's grace, you getting set free. That's what we want to see. Um, On one hand, a message on pornography could be very short. It's bad, don't look at it. Right? Be like, what's awesome? Let's get out of here. We'll beat the Methodists to lunch. It'll be great. Let's go. But we're going to go a little deeper in that, okay? There are three questions that I want us to address, okay? Three questions. Number one, what is God telling us to do? Right, so what's the what? Right, what is the real thing God is telling us to do? Two, why is God telling us to do it? Right, what's the why? It's important to get the why. And then three, how do we do it? 
Right? So what are we being called to do? Why are we being called to do it? And how do we actually do it? All right, so let's tackle the um, what first. But first, let's read through the whole passage together, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to do 1 through 8, all right? 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For we know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. All right, so let's tackle the what first. What exactly is God calling you to do? So jump down to verse 3. Let's start there. Verse 3 just kind of gives it in one simple shot. Verse 3. For this is the will of God. Don't you love it when God is very clear, like, this is the thing I want you to do? Sometimes it's murky. Does God want me to do this? Does he want me to do that? Like, he's very clear right here. This is God's will for your life. What? Your sanctification. So let's chat about sanctification just for a second. I'm actually really excited. Um, Our men's retreat this coming weekend the subject is going to be sanctification. How do you grow in the Lord, right? So sanctification literally means to be set apart and holy. So the idea with sanctification is two things, right? There's sort of, theologically speaking, there's sort of two parts to sanctification. There's what's called positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. Positional sanctification is at the moment of salvation At that exact second where Jesus Christ makes you new, you're born again, you're filled with the Spirit of God. At that moment, you are totally and completely holy before God. Positional sanctification. At that moment, you are set apart from sin in the eyes of God. And you are seen and and dealt with and loved and received as totally holy and separate from sin. Right? You are positionally set up as sanctified at the moment of salvation. But then there's called progressive sanctification. And that is, okay, you have been set up as holy. Now spend the rest of your life growing up in that holiness and living more holy. Make sense? Like if you're a Christian today and you've been a Christian for any length of time, there are probably things you used to struggle with you don't struggle with anymore. Things that used to be true of you that aren't true of you anymore. Well, what is that? That is you have experienced progressive sanctification. You have grown up in holiness. So this is what God is saying here. Here's Here's God's will for your life. God's will for you is that you would grow up more and more and more and more and more living out the holiness that he's already placed in you and made true of you. You're not striving to be holy, you are holy. You're not trying to be set apart from sin, you are set apart from sin. You're not striving to be one with God, you are one with God. Now you're growing from that perspective, growing up in this, and living it out more and more. And then specifically though, he targets one certain aspect of sanctification. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain 
from sexual immorality. The word abstained very simply just means to stop it, stay away from it. No dabbling in it at all. He tells you to abstain, to stay away from, run away from sexual immorality. The Greek word for sexual immorality is pornea. Anybody want to fancy a guess what English word we eventually get from that? It's not hard. This is not Final Jeopardy, right? Pornography. So he's telling us here to abstain. Here's how I want you to grow. Here's how I want you to mature. Here's how I want you to develop. Here's how I want you to live out more of who you are in Christ. Here's your sanctification. Abstain from all forms of pornea. So for us in our conversation today, we're going to specifically look at the idea of pornography in that. So, but jump back up to verse 1. Here's a really important part that I want you to see as well. Who is he talking to in this? What is he trying to say into whom? Verse 1. Finally, then, what's that word? Brothers, brothers, sisters, Christians. He's writing to Christians. He is not writing to some pagan heathen who's mocking God and cares nothing of Jesus. He's writing to actual Christians here. Finally then, brothers, sisters, Christians, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For we know, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And then he'll go on there in verse 3 to talk about the sexual immorality. What do you think is the significance of the fact that when he's talking about fleeing from sexual immorality, he talks to Christians. He's talking to us. Again, not some outsider, not some pagan, not some heathen, not some atheist, not someone that mocks and hates the things of God. He's talking to us. Let that sink in. Saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to grow up more and more and more and more and more in your sanctification. Specifically, stay away from that. Here in this Roman culture that Paul is writing in to these Thessalonians, and Roman culture was just dripping with sexual immorality. It was just the air that they would breathe. Sound familiar? For us as Christians, we have to take this seriously. Do you know, according to Barner Research, 53% of Christian men, self-professing Christian men, look at pornography once a week. It's over half of self-professed Christian men. According to Barner Research, 47%, almost half, 47% of self-professed Christian households say that pornography is a major issue in their home. So again, why do we do this? Why are we here talking about this? This is awkward. It makes me feel weird. Why are we doing this? My kid's in the room. Here's why. According to research, and again, maybe, maybe this group is different. And if so, praise God. But according to the best research we have, half the families in this room would say, yeah, this has been an issue for us. Yeah, this has been an issue for us. 
Not only that, but research tells us that one-third of all online pornography is viewed by women. This is, and that number is drastically increasing. So we can just chat about that just for a quick second. Um, for ladies here in the room that may struggle with this, you, you get a double barrel. Because on one hand, it's the Christian thing, right? It's like, well, you're a Christian. You shouldn't struggle with this. How dare you struggle with that? What but when you tackle the fact that you're a lady, the, 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 the narrative, the mindset is, well, that's a guy problem. So if you're a lady, a Christian lady struggling with this, it's I could never, I could never raise my hand and say this is a problem. Not that I'm going to ask you to raise your hand later, right? I'm not going to ask you to, right? Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. No one's looking around. Just slip that, just slip that hand up. Well, everyone's like. I knew that guy. So we're not going to ask you to do that. But I do want to just, 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 and with kids as well. Listen, kids. Did you know that the average American child has 14,000 sexual references thrown at them every year? 14,000 every year? Do you know that the average age that a child views their first image of pornography is 11? And that's the oldest age I can find. Some stats have it as low as 9 as the average age. I didn't want to like be like, you know, crazy statistic guy. So I picked the highest number I could find, 11 as the average. So for parents, listen to me. I know you do everything right. You homeschool your kids. You send them to private school. You have parental protections on all the stuff. And you are convinced that can never touch you. You are a fool. Listen to me very carefully. If the serpent can make his way into a sinless garden and deceive and tempt two sinless people, you honestly think your 13-year-old is going to be okay? You honestly think that? Your 10-year-old, your 16-year-old, that will never be a problem for them because our house is different. If you believe that, I have a bridge I would love to sell you. See me after service. This is an issue. This has to be dealt with. Why do we do this? Because this is crushing our homes. It's crushing our society. It is crushing our souls. And I would be doing you a grave disservice to not tackle this issue because it might be awkward. This matters. Right? This matters. So what exactly are we being asked to do? So jump down to verse 3 again. So again, verses 1 and 2, he's writing to Christians. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 4. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So what's he asking you to do? It boils down into one word, control. So looking at verses 4 and 5. It's about control. The question is this. You have two options. Either you are controlling your own body. 
controlling your own vessel through the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 is going to say that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The ability to control yourself is supposed to be a natural byproduct fruit of being a Spirit-empowered Christian. So can you control yourself? So the question is, do you control you or are you controlled by lust? Your control is the issue. And there are really only two options. Either you control yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit or you are being controlled by your lust. And here's a sneaky thing. It may not be like all the time because here's what's going to happen also. Here's, here's kind of where we are as well. You're going to sit in here and you're going to go, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I struggle sometimes and I, and, I, and I give into that sometimes, but it's not all the time. And that's, praise God, that's awesome. That's great. But go back to verse 3. Abstain. Stop entirely. The goal is not, I usually do well. The goal is, I totally abstain from that. Like, I walk away from it. I'm not involved with it. I don't dabble in it. It's not a sometimes yes and sometimes no, and I do good for a little few months, and then it jumps back in. No, we're not messing with any of that. So if you're in anywhere in that, I want you to hear me. This is still for you. Jesus' desire today is that you be totally free. Totally free. Set apart. Different. Sanctified. Controlling your mind, your body, your thoughts, your desires through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is His will for you. So before we get to the how that happens, let's tackle the why. The why is important, right? So, so many times we're told how to do a thing, but not really explain the why. And so the, the drive for it isn't that great. How is a great caboose, but a horrible engine. The why needs to drive it, and then we get the how figured out. That makes sense? So what's the why? So what we're called to do is abstain. Why are we called to do it? Look at verses 6 through 8. First verse 6. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. All right, so we'll unpack this. So when it gets to the why, there are two things that I think the Bible shows us here. A negative why and a positive why. Right, there's a negative, like, okay, so this bad thing will happen if you do this, so don't do it. And then there's a positive, this positive thing happens if you do this, if you if abstain, if you control your body. Right, so there's a negative why and a positive why. So let's tackle the negative first. We see that there in verse 6. Look at the beginning again, verse 6. Abstain from this, control all this, why? Verse 6, so that no one will transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Let's stop for a second, okay? Can we please rid ourselves of the lie that this is a sin that doesn't hurt anyone? That is a lie. This sin harms many. He says, listen, don't do this. Don't what? Transgress or wrong your brother. So what does that mean? 
The words transgress and wrong are really significant. I think they're important. The word transgress means to step over a line, to trespass into an area you don't belong in. To wrong means to defraud and take something that doesn't belong to you. So listen to me very carefully. Here's how the Bible defines sexual immorality, and for us specifically today, pornography. Here's the way that the Bible defines this. You're crossing over into a territory you don't belong in and taking something that has not been given to you. She is not yours. He is not yours. You're stealing. You're taking someone else's covenant partner, whether they even realize it or not. You're stealing them for yourself. This is why, again, we went to the beginning of the series. We did Genesis 2. I wanted to lay out for us the understanding that this is about a oneness, a covenant oneness that God creates. And all sexual expression flows out of that. And all of the Bible points to this very idea. Which is why 1 Thessalonians 4 says, when you step out of that, you're not just sinning, doing something God says don't do. You are crossing in to someone else's property and taking things that don't belong to you. You're stealing. They're not yours. They haven't been given to you. They're not yours. 1 Corinthians 7 says, When a husband and a wife enter into covenant marriage, at that point, the husband's body belongs to the wife, and the wife's body belongs to the husband. You literally, God, again, this idea, it all comes together. The Bible is very clear on this. This idea that he is now giving this person physically to you. Now this person is who belongs to you. This person is who you're allowed to engage with this with. This is yours. The husband's body belongs to the wife. The wife's body belongs to the husband. The husband probably gets the better end of that deal. The wife was like, you get a beer butt and a hairy back. Sorry, right, right, whatever. When we do this, we're stealing. She's not yours. He's not yours. It says you defraud your brother. People get harmed. This idea that no one gets hurt in this is crazy. Your spouse is devastated. Your kids are devastated. Your family and friends who love Jesus and wants to call you up to better things are devastated. This idea that well, as long as it's consenting and they know, they're, they know that they're doing this for it to be disseminated and I'm an adult and they're an adult and everybody is on the same page, it's not a big deal. That is a lie. You're stealing, and you're harming everyone involved. And not only that, look at the end of verse 6. It says, No one should transgress or wrong his brother in this matter. Listen to this. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. You need another good negative reason not to be a part of this. God promises he's seeing, he's remembering, and he will judge. He'll judge. He calls him the avenger of all these sorts of things. 
You can read your Bible over and over. You're going to find very few places where specific sins are called out where it's describing God like that. He takes this sin seriously. Like it matters. In fact, I, if I could redo the series, I feel like I've said this so many times, I should probably read, read um, title the series. Design, God's plan for sex. No, seriously, this really matters. Well, I feel like I'm saying that over and over again. Like, this is a big deal. This actually matters. This means something. God is taking accounts, and he will avenge. He will avenge. I know you think it's in secret. I know you think nobody knows. God sees. God sees. And he cares. And he takes account. And he will avenge. In this life or the next, he'll avenge. He takes it seriously. And we need to also. But it's not just the negative. So here's the thing. Um, I tell you over and over and over again, just simply knowing something is bad for you isn't enough to stop making you do it. We all do things that are bad for us we know we shouldn't do. Every single one of us, right? We all do. Simply knowing a thing is bad doesn't make us go, well, I'm never doing that again. We keep doing it. What's going to draw you out is not the negative as much. That's important. We've got to know that. But what's the positive? Like, what, what is God calling you up to? So look at verses 7 and 8. For God has not called us for iniquity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The point is this. When you were saved, God saved you from more than this. He didn't call you to sin and impurity. He called you to righteousness. He made you righteous. He made you holy. He made you pure. He made you his son and his daughter. He's filled you with his spirit. He's made you the dwelling place of God here on earth. He's called you to more. Don't you want more? Don't you desire more? Don't you want God Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they are the ones who shall see God. The pure are the ones who see God. You want to really see God, know God, walk with God, dwell with God, live with God, be empowered by God? Then you have to grow in sanctification, specifically in this issue, abstaining from sexual immorality. This isn't who you're called to be. This isn't who you are. This isn't your life. You're called to more. So then how do we do it? How do we grow in sanctification? How do we abstain from sexual immorality? Look at verses 5 and 8. Let's just highlight those. I think verse 5 and verse 8 give us kind of clues as to what this looks like. So verse 5, he's talking about those who engage in this. And he says, look, you're acting like, verse 5, don't act like those not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So what he's saying there is, look, when you do this, you're acting like you don't know God. You're acting like you don't even know him. You're acting like those Gentiles and heathens and pagans that don't even know God. And then in verse 8 he says, Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. When you engage in sexual immorality, when you engage in pornography, you're acting like someone who doesn't even know God. You're acting like someone who doesn't even realize that they have God himself in the Spirit living literally inside of you. 
So how do we do this? If we take that and we flip it, if these people are acting like they don't know God, and these people are acting like the Spirit of God is not dwelling in them, so what is the answer? How do we enjoy sexual purity in our lives? One, know God. Two, be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? How do we do that? So when I say know God, I don't just mean like no facts about God, like you're really good at Bible trivia. That's not what I mean. When I say know God, I mean you grow in a real genuine, intimate relationship with him. You know God. You're walking with God. You're intimate with God. You're growing in relationship with God. You know him. And then secondly, you're, as you're growing in that knowledge, you're growing more and more and more in spirit empowerment. The Holy Spirit is, is, is filling and empowering and free to bear out fruit in your life and to bear out holiness in you. To know God and be empowered by the Spirit. Um, uh, there's a, an author, Thomas Chalmers, he wrote a book called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. It's a great book. It's one of those books you got to read every paragraph three times because he speaks in Old English, but it's awesome. And basically what he says in The Expulsive Power of a New Affection is, in order for you to expel lust from your heart, you've got to fill your heart with a greater love. The only way you stop sinning is if you love God more than you love that sin. Grow in your love for God, grow in your knowledge of God, grow in your desire for God, grow in your empowerment in God, and you will, through that, expel all these other lusts and desires. So then how do we do that? I'll give you four quick things. How do we pursue the knowledge of God and the Spirit of God? Really simple. Read the Scriptures, believe the Scriptures, obey the Scriptures, and desire the Spirit. Number one, read the Scriptures. John 6, 63, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh is no help at all, and the words that I have spoken to you, these words that I have spoken to you, they're Spirit and life. The Bible says that the Bible is your source of Spirit and life. If you negate this, if you push this aside, you are cutting off your nose to spite your face. You are cutting yourself off from the only source of spirit in life. Jesus said it himself, the words that I've spoken to you, these, these are spirit in life. So one, read the scriptures. Two, believe them. In Acts 6, he's talking about Stephen. And in Acts 11, he's talking about Barnabas. And in both of those, he describes these men as full of the Spirit and faith. There's a connection there between faith and the Spirit. It's not enough just to know, to read. Do you believe what the Bible says about God and about you? Do you believe what the Bible says? Jesus repeatedly in the Gospels said, If you believe, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe... Do you believe? Do you believe what the Bible says about God? Do you believe what the Bible says about you? When the Bible says that you are not a wicked, lustful man, you're a righteous man. Now live righteous. Do you believe that's true of you? When the Bible says that you are not a lustful woman, you are a righteous and holy woman, do you believe that's true of you? Do you believe what the Bible says? Third, do you obey it? Do you obey the Bible? John 14, Jesus says, those who listen to my words and obey them, to them the Father and I will come and abide and live with them. 
It's not just about reading. It's not just saying, yeah, I believe that. It comes down to this. Do you do the thing? Obey. Obey. Obeying is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Which is why you have to constantly be filling your heart and your mind with the truth of who God is, the truth in his word, the truth in his word, so that those desires become less and less. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Obey. And then lastly, desire it. Man, do you want it? You want the spirit of God at work in your life? Do you want the spirit of God to bear out his fruit in you? Do you want this. John 7, 37 and 39, Jesus says, um, if anyone comes to me in thirst, I will give him water to drink that will satisfy him forever. And then at verse 39, he says, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit when he says that. Do you desire the Spirit of God to fill and empower, soak you up to every fiber of your being? Do you want him? It's ultimately what it's going to come down to, guys. What do you want more? What do you want more? Do you want him? Pursue him. Pursue him. So let me give you a couple of practical things as well. Um, If you have a friend who's struggling with pornography, what do you do? Um, Well, I think you just point them back to what we've been saying today. I think you want to point them to two things. I think you want to point them to, one, the dangers of what they're doing. And point them to who they really are in Christ. This isn't who you are. This isn't who God's called you to be. Point them to Jesus. And then say, hey, man, we'll go together. We'll sit and spend time in the word together. I want to pour in God's word into your heart. I want you to see who God is so that you, you grow in your knowledge of God and empowerment of the spirit so that you can walk in freedom of this. Point them to Jesus. What if you have a spouse who's struggling with pornography? What do we do? Um, one, I think the foundation is the same. I think you want to, one, have a very honest conversation about the dangers of what's happening. I think you want to look them in the face, and I want you, to, and you think you need to say to them, to some variation of, if you keep doing this, you will burn down everything you say you love. You will burn this thing to the ground. You will destroy our relationship. You will destroy our children. There is nothing good that's going to come from this. I think you want to be very direct. Second, if they're a Christian, point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Jesus is the one who has set us free. Jesus is the one who's given us new life. Jesus is the one who's filled us with the Spirit. Point them to Jesus. If they're not a Christian... You need to pray that they become a Christian, and you need to tell them, you need to repent of your sin and become a Christian. You're never going to get free from this if you don't trust in Jesus. Jesus has to set you free. You can't do this. Um, Another piece, if you're in a marriage like that, that you may want to consider, is um, counseling. Right, because again, like we think about what we've been seeing all series, right? It's marriage starts first with God creating you as one flesh spiritually, then you grow in one flesh relationally, and then that flows out into one flesh physically. But if one of the members of a marriage are engaging in pornography, that relational piece is obviously going to be hurt. And so there there may need to be some some significant counseling that needs to happen there. 
And we can do that in-house or we can point you to someone outside. We do both. We do things in, we do the counseling in, in-house and we have some great counselors that we know, love, and trust and we point people to them, whatever you feel comfortable with. We don't care. We just want you walking in who Christ has you to be. And, and, and I will add one more piece for this as well. If you have a spouse who's struggling with pornography and you're going to kind of walk through this, um, I will say this, another piece that you're going to need to really address in your own heart is forgiveness. You're going to need to do that, okay? Um, not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you're a Christian and Christ has called you to that. Forgive as you've been forgiven. And, and you're going to need to do that for two reasons. One, you're going to do that for your own soul sake, just for you, regardless of that individual or whatever God ever does with them or if they ever get free from this stuff or whatever happens in the marriage. Just for your own soul sake, you've got to get set free from that. But second is this, and I've seen this too many times. It's just heartbreaking. Where situation, one person in the marriage engages in something like pornography. They get caught They start walking through restoration and redemption and forgiveness. And here's what happens. So that sinning spouse, God legitimately gets a hold of their heart. And they are legitimately wrecked by Jesus. And God does a phenomenal work in them. And they they become truly and legitimately a different human. But the spouse who has sinned against is still so eat up with bitterness, they can't ever receive them and the marriage ends. You finally got the spouse you've been praying for, but you're so hard-hearted with unforgiveness and bitterness, you can't reconcile. I've seen it over and over and over. Yes, that person needs significant discipleship. It needs to be addressed. We need to be straightforward with it. It needs to be handled. They need to repent. Yes. And you need to forgive. Um. Kids, if you have a child who's struggling with pornography, just real quick, let's chat about that for a second. Uh, So same thing again. I think foundation is the same. I think you want to very clearly explain to your child, and I use the word child very loosely, right? Again, um, uh, again, the best stat that we have, say 90% of 8 to 16-year-olds have viewed pornography. So when I say child, I mean, you know, elementary up through high school. Um, If you find that your child is engaging with this. I think you want to handle it the same way. I think you want to address very clearly the consequences and the seriousness of the situation. Like, this is a problem. This, this is a significant issue that if it's not addressed and dealt with, it will already destroy your future marriage before you've ever met a spouse. It's got to be dealt with. Um, I think some discipline may be good there. There's nothing wrong with that. Proverbs says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child and the rod of discipline drives it out. It's good. Parenting is about law and grace, right? If they break the law in your house, you need to have consequences because God has consequences for breaking his law. Having good discipline in your home is a way of helping teach the gospel because God has consequences before he has grace. Law and grace. So as a parent, I think you just need to be very straight and honest with that. Um, But then point your child to Jesus. If your child is a believer, you need to say, look, this is not who you are in Christ. This is not who God has saved you to be. This is not how the Spirit of God works inside of you. God's called you to more. Let's lead you to that. 
And if they're not a Christian, I think you need to very clearly tell them, look, you need step one to trust in Jesus to be your Savior because you'll never get set free from this until you do. I think you want to be very honest. I think also as a parent, you need to do regular phone checks, computer checks, tablet checks, electronic checks. If you have a child in your home with an electronic device and you are not regularly keeping eyes on that, that's dumb. Like, that's dumb. Again, if the serpent can get in the garden, he can get in your kid's phone. And I know you're going to be like, oh, no, I need my privacy. Shut up, Junior, all right? Get out of my house and pay bills, then we'll talk about your privacy, all right? But as of right now, that is my phone, Jack. So I get to look at it, and I want to see what you're looking at. You need to do this. This is why Ephesians 6 says that we are to train up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You must train up your child in this. And that takes work. That takes effort. That takes awkward conversations. That may take discipline. That may take them being mad at you. And that may take you not giving a crap. We'll play the first service. I didn't say crap that one. All right. You need to care about this. You need to care. And, and real quick, let me say this as well before I, I land the plane. Because I'm circling and I'm out of gas. So let me just throw this one out there as well. Real quick, this is super duper, uber important. If you are engaged with someone to be married, do not marry them until you are absolutely, completely convinced this is not an issue for them. Don't get married. Don't do it. Here's why. Especially for Christian couples, here's how this works. Again, I've seen it a quadrillion times. Here's how this works. You're a Christian couple trying to do it right. So you're not having sex before you get married, which is awesome. See sermon last week. Right? I'm great with that. That's fantastic. But here's what happens. Because you're not doing that, Sometimes lust is still in the heart. It's still there and being dealt with. And someone's struggling with pornography. And the thought process is this. Well, the reason I'm struggling with pornography is because I'm not able to have sex. Once I can do that, this is no longer going to be a problem. And it's real easy to think that way. Well, the problem is because 1 Corinthians 7 is going to say... Sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is given by God to help in temptation. That is a true thing. But here's going to be the problem. Again, sin is about your heart more than your hands. It's about your heart more than your eyeballs. It is about your heart. And if your heart is not pure in this, given enough time, sin is like water. Given enough time and pressure, it will find the crack. It will happen. If this is an issue pre-marriage, given enough time, it will be a, mar- it will be a problem post-marriage. It will be a problem. This needs to get set first. And you need to be able to look at your betrothed and say to them, I love you. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I don't plan on going anywhere 
But you got to get this right first. Prove to your soon-to-be spouse that you love them so much, you're going to do whatever you got to do to get this right first. Simply thinking it's going to go away once that's no longer something you can't do, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Again, that's why half currently of divorce papers, divorce filings, list excessive online pornography as a contributing factor in their divorce. Half currently. Half. This notion that, well, once that's gone, that's crazy. And everybody in the room currently married knows that. I'm just telling it for the little love pups that don't know that yet. We all know that does not magically take it away. Do you know how many wives and husbands I've sat down with who have said, I can't believe he just walked downstairs and did that. I'm sitting right here in the bed. I mean, I'm right here. What did he do that for? Because it's about the heart. And the heart never got right. And given enough time, it'll find the leak. It'll find the leak. So let's end it like this, okay? Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching on prayer, okay? He's teaching on prayer. And I love the way Jesus ends the prayer. Listen to how Jesus ends his teaching on prayer. And I want you to have what we've walked through today in your mind as he does it. Okay, so listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 6, verse 12. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Does that not sound like a perfect prayer to end today? Forgive us of our sins. Empower me to help those who have sinned against me. God, I pray, help me with temptation. Don't lead me there. Help lead me away. Deliver me from this evil. I want to be delivered from it. Doesn't this sound like a perfect prayer for today? So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. And, and as we end, I just want to give you just a quick second just to spend some time in prayer. One, is there sins, sexual sins specifically for us today that you need to confess and repent? If so, I want to encourage you to do that. Confess and repent of any sexual sin. Confess means to agree with God. You're agreeing that that thing is sin. And repent means to turn and go the opposite direction. So you're saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm turning and going the other way. Maybe that means there are things that you need to destroy in that repentance. You need to delete some apps. You need to destroy some materials. There's some friendships you need to stop having. Some people you need to just not talk to anymore. Some numbers you just need to block. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian. No, that, that might be the most Christian thing you can do today. There are some friends that you just need to not be friends with anymore. Confess, repent, turn, run away, abstain from these things. Second, ask God. 
for Holy Spirit empowerment as you commit to grow in your knowledge of God, your intimacy with God, the greatness of the holiness of God and what that means for you and your holiness. Pray the Spirit of God empowers you as you read the Word, study the Word, soak in the Word, believe the Word, obey the Word, desire God's work in your life. Pray the Spirit of God anoints that and empowers that. And also take just a second to pray for any family or friends you may have that come to your mind that you know may be struggling with this. We want to handle that with grace and compassion and love. Not calling people out as much as calling people up. Yes, being honest, this is a serious sin that you need to run from. But more importantly, this is just not who Christ has saved you to be. This isn't true of who God is and it's not true of who you are now as a child of God. Maybe also today you need to become a Christian. You need to trust by faith in Jesus Christ. Be set free. Today maybe you need to say, Jesus Christ, I know that you died for my sin, this and all the others. Forgive me of this. I know you died and you rose again for me. Forgive me of my sin. Take my sin away. Make me new. Maybe you need to pray that right now, and I encourage you to. But take just a second, you and the Lord, in this time together, calling out to him, confessing, repenting, asking him to do this work. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus making us new. And thank you for now calling us up for sanctification. To live out the holiness that you've already placed in us. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. We need you. Let us see how great and glorious you are and run after you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing one closing song, 10,000 Reasons. Because he calls us to something greater, church, that we take every opportunity to bless his holy name. And one of the ways we do that is by singing together in agreement these truths that you are called to something separated from the world in all avenues. Let's sing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes. 
Sing like never before. 